When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. Wet Hot Alien Summer continues through August. We are focusing on stories of the extraterrestrial variety here on the main feed and on the other side. Uh, I hope everybody got a chance to listen to the first ever Bigfoot record collectors release that we (laughs) dropped last Friday, completely absorbed by the strange by our new house band, Club Bryce. That hot new track. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We got a lot of good feedback. Riley, people want to know. Uh, is this song going to be available outside of our podcast feed? Yes. So we wow. have set up an actual um, an actual label now, and we are releasing this track, and it should come out on all major streaming platforms uh, in the next two weeks. Did um, I just fall into a music career? <laughs> you actually did, Bryce. <laughs> I mean, also the reception you got like to, has been amazing, uh, and it's just it's so cool how much people enjoyed this track. Uh, we definitely had a lot of fun making it. It was, it's funny that it just started as this joke, and I, we were talking about it before we started rolling. But that we this this track started on Tuesday night, and by Friday night of that week, we had released it, which is just like insane for. <laughs> putting out music i mean it's it's silly music but it's music nonetheless and so uh this is really a fun project for us and i think you guys can expect more more club bryce tracks in the future yeah don't be surprised if we start making more tracks than we do actual episodes of the show now because i i I mean i thought you guys crushed it i barely had anything to do with this track this was 
all you guys you can really crucial input crucial input uh really though the showcasing riley's exceptional talent so i mean i when you guys sent me the track uh the rough cut of it i was laughing my ass off so i'm yeah, very proud too. of it Amazing. and i i can't wait we're already plotting a couple more drops but it will be available in the near future on iTunes, and we do want to make it available as a ringtone. That's been mm-hmm. a goal uh, since we wrote the song. So all of that will be coming. It's going to take maybe a couple of weeks just to set everything up in the proper way. But uh, soon, by, by definitely before the end of the summer, you'll be able to oh, listen yeah. to it on iTunes. You'll be able to get the ringtone from the uh, Campfire Media website. We got you guys covered. Okay, let's bring in today's guest uh she is a very successful actor and performer of the stage and screen you've seen her in twilight breaking dawn you've seen her in showtime's barbershop uh countless other tv shows and movies she's currently starring in seal team for cbs boys and girls please give a warm club scout salute to tony trucks yeah hello tony hi everybody i have a I have a journal uh, that I started. <laughs> this has nothing to do with the show. It's just me. <laughs> okay. Okay. He showed up in a, he showed up in a oh. few passages in my journal. No. Uh, <laughs> when we started the show, I wrote a list of guests that I wanted to have on the show. And you were one of them. And I'm sorry it's taken uh, over 120 episodes to get to you. But uh, sometimes that's the way life is. But I'm very excited to talk to you. Uh, because you and I share some common history that we'll get into maybe a little bit later. Mm. Uh, yes. But I'm sure I have that common history in a journal somewhere, too. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Tony? How are you surviving the pandemic? How are things uh, in this world? You know, we like to tell stories of high strangeness here on the podcast, but, you know, the whole reality is very strange right now. So we, we like to check in with our guests and see how they're doing. Yes, this this definitely feels like we're living in an episode of, of your podcast right now. Everything mm-hmm. is so so strange and continues to get stranger, um, miraculously. Um, but I'm, I'm holding up fine. I, uh, I'm in the, I was in the middle of a kitchen remodel when all this went down. So I found myself at the top of the pandemic with, um, no water, no heat, no fridge, no stove. Yeah. That's the worst time. Yeah. It's been very interesting and I still don't have it. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) <laughs> but people are fearlessly working on it right now as we speak. <laughs> How are you surviving? I got really lucky as I, I had um, moved and I was subletting my old apartment. And just by happenstance, the girl that was subletting ended up uh, going back to New York, um, uh, surprisingly. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> also scary. Like, oh, yes. Uh, I think she's fine, though. Um, okay, good. But uh, yeah, so I was able to sort of pack a small backpack and move back into my 600 square foot apartment. And it's been totally fine and um, safe. You know, I mean, I get to hear my neighbors have sex again. It's really sweet. <laughs> uh, still going strong after all these years. <laughs> well, we're happy that you're here. So Tony and I actually, now I'm older, of course, but like Mary Holland, Tony was also a student at Interlochen Arts Academy in Michigan. No way. Which, if you have been listening to the show for a long time, we covered it back in episode three with Mary Holland. Uh, I believe it was episode three. It might have been episode two. Mm. Um, but uh, there, Interlochen is very haunted. And there, of course, is the ghost of a little girl named Lois Gruno that haunted the Gruno Theater off of uh, Duck Lake. Or Green Lake. I think it was uh-huh. Green Lake. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
I wanted to open the show by asking you, Tony, I saw Lois Gruno when I was a student there. I know uh, Mary Holland, when she was visiting after graduation, heard Lois whisper in her ear. Did you ever hear any stories or encounter any ghosts, particularly Lois, when you were attending Interlochen? I regretfully did not, but I was also a camper there. I was a camper um, first in 1997 and then went to the academy. And so the sort of haunting of Gruno and our perpetual fear of not being in there too late uh, was definitely around, you know, and I, I complied. I listened to ghosts. I'm not trying to upset anyone. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to upset us. She would like move props around. She would uh, like, I don't know. I feel like she she was really trying to make contact and um, I have sad news, I think, for I don't think we've mentioned this on the show, but Gruno has been uh, bulldozed and is no longer there. It's oh, completely no gone now. What the um, theater? They bulldozed the theater? They took it out because it was well, it was a fire hazard by the time I was a senior in high school there. Oh, wow. And then they uh, used it for storage and some maybe some classes here and there. But they're expanding their dance building. And Gruno's been torn down, so Lois no longer has a home at Interlochen. So Aww. it's a very sad story. I wonder what she's going to haunt next. She doesn't care. She, she best she better not come here. I do not <laughs> want to deal with the little... I have enough problems during the pandemic. I can't deal with a little girl ghost hanging out they in my apartment. my theater, Michael. <laughs> Do something, do something. Perform a scene from Savage in Limbo. (laughs) Well, okay, if you you must insist. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Let's see what I can dust off. (laughs) Tony, we like to ask all of our guests, what is your personal paranormal history? Well, I've got a couple. I hope that they're enough. Well, the first one was I grew up in a old Victorian town in Michigan. Um, oh boy. That was the Victorian port city of Michigan. So all of the homes are Victorian. We've got a Victorian parade. My dad like dresses up like a Keystone cop and <laughs> arrests people for overage drinking. You know, so everybody gets really into it. But all the homes are super old. And uh, my town, which is called Manistee, Michigan, burnt on the same night that Chicago burned. Oh, wow. And so the whole town was pretty much burnt to the ground. And so from there was rebuilt. But we have a, uh, in 1901, um, there was a Victorian playhouse that was built um, by this philanthropist named T.J. Ramsdell. And T.J. has always been said to haunt the theater. And I started performing in that theater when I was six and got super comfortable with it. I'd always hear stories of, you know, TJ doing this. Actually, I'm just thinking of another one as I'm saying this. Um, But I remember two things that happened in that theater, which was one, we were doing a production of Oklahoma and the director had sent um, some of us down to the wardrobe uh, to, to get some more props and stuff from the basement. And we went down, the door was always unlocked, but this time it was locked from the inside and nobody knew why. So we were shaking. We thought maybe somebody locked themselves in and was tricking us. And we put our ear up to the door. And right as we put our ear up to the door, we just, we all got that bang, 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 right at our ear. Whoa. And we were just absolutely like terrified. And, you know, everybody went screaming upstairs and, uh, 
and you know, then the guy, uh, the owner came down and you could approach the room from another area. And when he went in, he was like, he said, it's, you know, it's padlock. The whole thing is locked. So I don't know who would have been in there. So we were all like, it's DJ, it's DJ. And then on that same production, I always was like the loitering because I just wanted to be a part of theater so badly. And I was the last, one of the last ones to leave and a, um, an adult was going to take me home. So <laughs> by I was, the way, I love that this is all happening when you're like six. <laughs> oh no. So I started from so yeah, no, now at this point I'm like 15. Let me okay. I was, I was eight or I was like, I, I hope you so, had a chance to play a, the ghost of a little girl before you aged out of the role. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. This is well, maybe does it like maybe Fiddler on the Roof count? I don't know. Yeah, um, that counts. Um, but yeah, so when I was I was 15, waiting to go home, on, and they put the ghost light out on the stage, and I just kind of fiddling out around the stage. I knew that the the um, the guy that was going to take me home was a teacher. Was he said he was going to go turn off some things in the lighting booth, and so I looked up at the lighting booth and I saw him start to come down the stairs. And so I was just waiting, waiting. And then right beside me, he stood and said, are you ready to go? And I absolutely jumped out of my skin. And I was like, you just were up in the lighting booth, which is on the second, you know, it's in the balcony. And I was like, I just saw you start to, and he was like, I'm, I'm clearly right next to you. Um, and I was like, I, I'm someone's in the theater. Someone is here. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Um, so I was convinced that that was the ghost of TJ Ramsdale. Whoa. Sure. Weird. Wow. Yeah. And um, two the, things, two yeah, things ahead, before um, you can say one, I, nothing is more dramatic than a cast of a musical theater <laughs> performance <laughs> encountering a ghost in the basement of their, of their theater. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just like contagion for a musical theater. Cast. <laughs> like, anything, anything to get excited about will do. And if it's a ghost, it's like basically a nuclear meltdown uh, yeah. of emotions. Um, and just an excuse to find somebody to kiss, uh, usually of the same sex. <laughs> How do you that? Because I received the first kiss of my life as Ada Wanny in that production when I was 15. Oh, yeah. My first kiss was probably uh, when I played uh, Albert Peterson in Bye Bye Birdie oh, <laughs> when I was like wow. 14 or 15. <clears throat> there you go. Nice. Those are... days, just slop and spit, you know. Mm. Oh, yeah. But I like the the thing that jumps out at me about that story is like how often. Um, you know, when people see ghosts, they don't think anything about it because they just assume it's the person like you described. And it, the scare doesn't come until after they realize, hey, wait a minute, you were in two places at one time. This is insane. Right. Right. That it it did mess me up because the, the theater was empty. I mean, I went home and I was like, I saw a ghost. Like, I'm telling you, like, 100 percent. And then there was a picture floating around. It was probably well, I shouldn't say it. it we, they had, we had a picture floating around of like on um, the anniversary of the theater and in, in some anniversary in the, of the theater in the 1970s, they'd taken a photo of the crowd and it's just a whole bunch. Like I can see my uncle and aunt, like with their big old seventies glasses, you know, in the crowd. And then in the back, there's like um, two or three Victorian dressed images where people like you can see through them. No way. And, the, and I, at first I would say, yeah, look, it's a bad print job, but they're standing through people. Like I can see someone's face through these, this woman in her like long dress. Like I can see someone's face smiling through her stomach. And I'm like, well, clearly that's, I don't know anymore. You know, I don't know anymore. Whoa. Um, yeah. Super creepy. 
Is but, it possible um, that it was your dad in his Keystone cop uniform? <laughs> it could have been. Well, I actually have to tell you something about my dad because I told him I was going to be on this podcast today and he was very excited and he wanted me to share with you that my dad taught in Nigeria for uh, six years and he was walking, um, you know, and that's like big, like uh, Yoruba um, faith and, you know, there's lots of beliefs and um, ghosts and things like that that are alive and well in that culture. And he was walking down the hall with a student. And as they walked past another student, the young kid, Freddie, was walking with goes, <laughs> and he's like, what's the matter? He goes, that is a ghost. And he looked back, you know, and he was like, he's like, it looks like a kid to me. He's like, I know. He's like, that kid is a ghost. And I was like, wow. I mean, whoa. Yeah. Super creepy. Yeah. Super creepy. Super creepy. And then I have one alien story for you. Well, aliens is a stretch, but I have one UFO story for you. Okay. Well, we definitely want to hear that. But I wanted to ask your opinion on something. Why is it? I mean, even with the term like ghost light, it feels like theaters are just asking for it. Why Why are all... Have you ever performed in a theater that wasn't haunted? Never. <laughs> Never. Oh, man. We need to have a reality show, you know, that's like Ghost Hunters, but you just go to theaters. Because I feel like that would be... <laughs> That, that would, like, could be part musical too. Terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe the only theater I've been to that wasn't haunted was the Arc Light. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's been a lot of broken dreams going in and out of that <laughs> that true. lobby. That is true. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but I I don't know. Maybe we maybe the show could be like we get the cast of that performance to help us track down and find a ghost in each theater that they're in. I don't know. I think it's worth it, but. But why why are theaters so haunted? Why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, this probably would it would probably serve us to do some history on theater. You're right. I don't know the this element of storytelling. Um, you know, probably rooted in something that requires us to conjure spirits mm. past to tell their stories. I dig that. Yeah. Probably evolved yeah, from totally. there, and we've probably like this is me totally running my mouth and guessing. But I think this sort of respect for um, whomever was storytelling before or the stories of those that we are telling, trying to honor, honor them in some way has, is just a passed down tradition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and listen, you know, emotions are always heightened during performances too. So there, there seems to be uh, some sort of connection with uh, an emotional element that, that brings these things into the perceiver or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a good guess. Um, you know, the old esotericists used to say the world is a stage and we all play a part. So, um, you know, who knows? Absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of like, I, I'd be sad if I went to a theater that wasn't haunted. Wouldn't you? Yeah, like, when you, it's like only bad plays are performed there. Cause the, the ghosts are like, Oh my God, I've got <laughs> to find another place to spend eternity. Like we just opened, we've only been doing Hamilton for six months. <laughs> oh my God. I would love like a ghost that like boos and just like, boo, like get off the stage. That's, but wait, that's like the, the ghosts do say boo. But this oh, yeah. ghost is like right. instead of it oh, being like, it's boom. Oh my gosh, is that where that came from? That's yeah. what, I think that's why <laughs> it all started in the theater. <laughs> this all takes us back to the theater. Wow, we just figured that out. One hundred and twenty yeah. something episodes in. Uh, so it is wet, hot alien summer. We're celebrating all mm-hmm. alien stuff. Um, 
Are you a believer in the idea that uh, life from other planets has visited Earth, Tony? Yes. Ooh, do tell. And why? I say yes. I I just think that, well, first of all, I think it's unreasonable to assume that there's not life somewhere else. I just, I mean, anybody that thinks that like we're, we're it, I just, I feel sad for them. Um, And I would feel sad if that were so true. I'd be like, this is it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. You're like universe. This is the best you could do. (laughs) I'm like, okay. All right. Do you want another shot at it? Um, um, Yeah. No, I, I think that it's totally plausible. I mean, when you consider a world where even right now you and I are talking to each other on a, a frequency that is manipulated for that, that we can hear, but we certainly know of animals and things that are seeing things on a spectrum we're unable to see, hearing things on a spectrum that we're unable to hear. So I believe that we are in a universe where it is absolutely plausible and I leave room for it. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I always think of it as like... Cylinders. How can we How can we say? I mean, I feel like if we... If there, if we could uh, evolve long enough to, and our technology could develop long enough for us to go visit other planets, we absolutely would. We're already sending, you know, deep space probes into, you know, into our solar system. So anyone who's got, you know, a few thousand years on us, if not a million, mm-hmm. they're going to come check us out. They're going to study us the way that we would study, you know, lower life forms. The way we go to the bottom of the ocean and we look for stuff. Of course, they sure. would come check us out i don't think they always have to have a sinister agenda you know they might just be scientists being like what's going on down here what are how are these how are these uh humans evolving and what kind of horrible weapon are they creating now (laughs) (laughs) it always like in movies always like falls to the americans misunderstanding they're like they're just here to be nice and like what does this mean we have to kill them all um yeah, they might just, you know, be like, you know, look, we just heard it was like tulip season and we were just going to like try to fly yeah, they, they want to go see the super bloom like everybody else. <laughs> also, I think that we've proven uh, this year that if there was some sort of alien invasion, America's probably the one that's going to fend it off last. <laughs> Indeed. We are the least prepared. <laughs> so what is this uh, UFO encounter that you had? Okay, this I I. I have a trouble when I tell the story because obviously it was real to me and real. And I was with my cousin. So I do have some context and we do when we, she lives in Ireland now, but when we see each other, we're always like, you, I'm like, you would still remember that. Right. And she's like, absolutely. But growing up in Michigan, we would often go to the beach because we lived on a lake as everyone does. And uh, we would get like hamburgers and sit on the trunk, uh, sit on the hood of my cousin's car and just look at the stars because Michigan is glorious. And we would come shooting stars. It happened all the time in the summer. And so we were looking at shooting stars. We'd got up to like three or so. And then this light came in the sky and it did, it made sort of like a W huge across the sky though. It went like up, down, up, down, and then shot away. And we both turned to each other so fast. I'm like, what the hell? Like, did you just see, I mean, did you just see what I saw? And she's like, absolutely. And we like tried to tell people, like they were like, no, we were we, you know, this is pretty early internet. So there wasn't any like research in it, but we, till this day, it was such a wild thing to see. It was, it was certainly wasn't a firefly. It was like in the sky and the same trajectory as the shooting stars we were seeing. It just did this 
very wild pattern and then and then flew off in the way that a shooting star would fly off hmm. and we could not make heads or tails of it there was no it 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 wasn't you know a a funny arc it was straight lines up down up down off and wow. we were we i don't know i don't know if you have some thing to explain this help me now sure well, that was a ufo <laughs> done deal done. <laughs> how far like compared to the to the the size of a shooting star like how much bigger or smaller was this light could you see any part was it close enough that you can make out like oh that's a craft i see a shape or is it just a bright light no it was definitely just slightly slightly bigger than a shooting star so if it had been a star it would have been a good it would have been like this is a juicy shooting star for sure right but it was um no no way did we didn't see any shape per se like had it continued on its initial path we would have said it was a shooting star it was simply the pattern that made us you know our eyes bug out um you know, Tony, did it leave a, a tail, like a trail behind it as it made these maneuvers, or was it more like a point moving? It was like did it leave a, a trail, like a, it was a oh, okay. Yeah, I don't recall it leaving like a you know little tail behind it or anything. You know, you Tony, this like, is gonna, I was going to say maybe there's like a, a god with like a laser pointer. You know how we do with our cats and dogs? <laughs> We're cats. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. Every time these people, they love this one. Watch them. They're, they're pointing it in the wrong direction. They should point it to the ground so we can chase it around, you know, maniacally right, and try right. to catch it. And then and then look around when it suddenly disappears. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm scared that every time we do that to our pets, they think they're having an, an interdimensional experience. <laughs> <laughs> they're obsessed. They're just obsessed have you seen this have you seen that totally. there's a cat podcast where it's just, just cats trying say. to figure out what, what the laser light pointer is and where it comes from yeah right oh my god yeah so tell me your ufos well there was this strange light on the ground and it made these incredible maneuvers that is uh, i tried to catch it with my paw but it just I, my paw went right through it so oh, I don't have an explanation for it. <laughs> don't give me wrong. I've seen flashlights before, but this was totally. <laughs> uh, my 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 owners were just sitting there smiling. I think I'm the only one who saw it. They did. They they were acting like nothing was going on. <laughs> this was not a flashlight. I promise you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was not string. It was not my uh, my mouth toy. This was something very strange. Something very very different. <laughs> But I think actually, you know, we this is really wild, Tony. Like we hear, we, we've collected a lot of these stories. We've researched a lot. And there is this element that comes up again and again. We've been talking a lot about it this summer where there seems to be some sort of almost trickster spirit element to these UFOs. So when I'm hearing your story, I'm thinking this other intelligence, whether it's a nuts and bolts bolt craft hanging up in space uh, you know or or some sort of interdimensional thing seem to be like oh these two girls they're watching these shooting stars right or yep. there's a lot of people down there watching shooting stars all right i'm gonna give them something uh it's gonna really freak them out yeah. you know and they almost engage with us in a very pointed and purposeful way to like kind of freak us out and blow our minds and then leave us hanging with like, what was that? Well, having not being a person that had some sort of negative experience, you know, I, I completely agree with you. I've always felt like there is a mischievous, playful element to um, even like 
the ghost story, the ghost experiences that I've had and this as well. Like I'm like, if you can zoom your way through the sky, do the full cursive alphabet and fly away, I know you have the ability to hurt me, but you didn't. You were like, I'll just give you a baby light show and talk to you later. And I'm like, so, and I think this is why in my adulthood now, I really kind of leave room for it all. Like I, I don't, I'm more enthralled by it and feel some whimsy by it than uh, any sort of suspicion or anything. I'm like, it's, I feel like it's fully probable and why not, you know, I I like it. At least the same way that I, I like a ghost in a theater. I like the notion of some, you know, extra terrestrial, um, otherworldly, um, other dimension, possibly things happening. It, it, it gives me perpetual magic in my life. Amen. I love that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is there anything out of the world of the unexplained that terrifies you? Ooh, can you give me an example? Like, okay, uh, if you saw, okay, so lights in the sky are cool, but if you saw like an alien gray or like, uh, you know, or like Bigfoot in the woods. Like, would any, is there anything that would scare you uh, rather than mystify you? Okay, well, since I just moved into this 1912 home, there are these moments, because I do leave real space in my everyday life for these things to be there, I scare myself often. <laughs> okay. So... As I'm now, I'm going from a 600 square foot apartment when I have, you know, I can vacuum it all with the same plug. I don't have to move the plug. I can reach the entire apartment to now this 2,500 square foot house. And so any little bump, any little thing, I always think that someone is trying to tell me something or reach me or give me a message or something. And I I, I freak myself out all the time. So there are some times where I do try to, in the darkness of night when I'm by myself, try to like close that door because I feel like I leave it open a lot. And then I'm like, I'm closing this door. Like, if I don't want to see you right now, you're not going to see me. We're not talking right now. We talk when the sun is up, you know? Um, so, uh, boundaries. Yeah. I need, I need boundaries. Like when I'm by myself, I'm not trying to have anybody like send me some like rattling window message or like pop up in a mirror behind me. Like I can't be, that's too scary. Popping up in a mirror behind you. Num- probably number one scariest ghost move. Definitely. <laughs> super, super scary ghost move. That or like a hand shooting out from under the bed and trying to grab your ankle. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. Hand shooting. Somebody did that to me this weekend actually. What? And I didn't it. Yeah, I went to see an old friend. Granted, there was a kid that I hadn't seen there. Um, <laughs> uh, a family friend. He's now 15. I haven't seen him in years. And they're like, he won't get up. We go wake him up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went into his bedroom. I'm like, oh, he's not here. And then he stuck his hand out from the bottom of the bed, grabbed my ankle, screamed bloody murder, full on teenage prank. Totally feel free to it. Did the parents oh set you God. up for this? They, I don't think they did. They were like, you know, he really won't get up. Let's go tackle him, and it's going to be fun. But then maybe now that I'm thinking about it, you know, I just like this idea that this kid had like a vague memory of you somewhere. He's like, oh yeah, Tony, I remember her. I was really little last time she was here. I'm going to go hide under my bed and scare her. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good icebreaker, I gotta say. 
you know, you could have done the awkward hug. Oh, how are you? Yeah, you're older now. It's good to see you. But like, that was a good, that was an effective, I liked it. I was like, you're in there. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. like a, a good way to break the tension on your like first date where, where they come to spend the night. Like they're, they come out of the bathroom and they're like, hello, Michael, where are you? And then, and then I shoot my, I shoot out from under the bed and try to grab their ankles. Probably try not like, try that. I'm just trying to break yeah. the tension. Just trying to. I just I just wanted to try the top five ghost moves on you. See see what it was. See what would happen. I read it in Cosmo. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to show up behind you in the mirror, but you locked the bathroom. I couldn't get in. Oh, God. <laughs> Wait, do you see what I have planned for three a.m.? You're gonna love it. <laughs> what are you oh. talking about? I'm going through the like painstaking process of changing all of my skeleton keys to like thumb turns because I'm like, if somebody get stuck in their bedroom and there's a fire and they're like, I got to find the skeleton key. If you are living in a house with a skeleton key, it's automatically haunted. <laughs> yeah. It's haunted. It's haunted. There's only, I'm only the fourth person to live there and every single room has a skeleton key. Whoa. That's every cool. Yeah. I, have, I have a buddy who lived, who moved uh, years ago into a, an old craftsman house here in LA, like down near like uh like off Wilton. This is really local now all of a sudden for like (laughs) for people. It's Wilton and Third Street. Um but uh he it was so cool. This house came with like the original blueprints from like 1910 or 1912. There was a family photo album. It belonged to the same family until he bought it. Like he bought it from Mm -hmm. like an old uh, an elderly person who had their family had owned it that for the entire like 20th century, basically. Mm. And some of the original wallpaper was still in some places and it's a beautiful home, but it was like, I used to call it uh, his magical time traveling mansion because it was like this awesome, um, time capsule piece there was even like this old original safe in the garage that had been there since the 1920s this beautiful antique safe um i don't know what was in there or if it was empty or not but just a finger just one finger yeah yeah. whoa (laughs) just the one yeah and then you look down and your fingers when i moved in they gave me sort of like a dossier on the home and uh i have the original um, newspaper clipping where it says like H.J. Weissman is building a 2,500 square foot house for eight, uh, $8,900. Wow. A, you know, it's on a 7,500 square lot, you know, and I'm like, what? Um, so I, I have that. And then the, all the changing of ownership, like I have old papers from 1912 that are on it. And um, it's fascinating. And I have even the original electrical panel was in the home when I bought it, like all the old knob and tube, um, it's hard to explain, but it's all like glass tubes. It looks like a science experiment, but it was cast on marble in the wall. Um, and so I've kind of taken it out. I've, I had somebody like create a new kind of case for it and put it back in the wall. So it will be like always with the house, but there's lots of, I've got an old, old, huge, huge light that was created up in the, um, in the garage, um, that I'm like, why didn't no one put this up? And it's from an old bank in DTLA, um, but yeah, there's like so many fun little things like that. Are there, as you're flipping through the history and seeing all the owners, is there one in particular that like, this one creeps me out a little bit. I hope they're not haunting me. No, I'm more fascinated. I'm hoping this woman is haunting this house where there is a woman who was the second owner. Uh, I guess technically the third owner, but um, it, her boss um, before um, black people could buy in that neighborhood bought the home for her. And she oh, wow. lived there um, 
from a, a young age and through all of her kids and family. And, and she died in her 90s in the home. And her kids and all their names are still carved in the driveway. And I'm like, if anybody's wow. going to haunt this house, that's the one I want haunting it. You know, uh, I think yeah. That's awesome. You gotta keep, yeah, so or you gonna, you gotta keep all those names in the driveway. Is it possible to keep all I'm those? I'm very torn about it. I have to tell you because I want to keep them, but the driveway is, you know, it's for uh, a 1930s car. So <laughs> every time I drive up, I scrape the bottom of my car, and it's super narrow. You know, the grass has grown over the original width of the driveway. You know, boring stuff. But I, I definitely like, I it. Literally, keep- now, Tony, it just sounds like you literally moved into a haunted house for the hell of it. <laughs> <laughs> like- <laughs> I think you should try to preserve the concrete somehow if you can, like maybe if you change it out, like try to keep those carvings and put them someplace in the I would yard or garden. The, the garage cool. is falling down and it's the original garage. It's got, but it's got old, old wood and the old wood is actually stamped um, uh, from when they did repairs, like in the beams right now, there's beams in there that are stamped like June 12th. Um, 1945 and I'm like oh cool like when they were updating the garage at some point and then I pulled a light out a couple of weeks ago to clean it I was like this looks original I think I can clean this up and on that light it's from uh, like November something it's like the date that it was made that they did the porcelain and it's 1913 and so I keep trying to like use all the lights that I can and like try to restore them and um, that's you know, it's if so you're gonna cool. buy an old house, let it be old. Like, don't make an old house new, then buy a new house. You know, you can, like totally. old craftsmen. I think you should like honor it, honor the built-ins and the weirdness. And I even there's an Art Deco bathroom on the second floor that doesn't go with anything in the house because that was a. But it's like green and purple tile. The original radiator <laughs> um, pipe is coming out of the tub. Um, and it's so weird, but I'm like, there, I can't touch this. It's just so all the toilets are 1926. It's just, is there a pull cord? Do you flush it with a pull cord over your head? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The tanks above you. Yeah. That would be hysterical. That's so cool. Being above me, but it is a lot of old, old stuff. And the original, like they closed up the, um, sleeper porch in 1950 but so but the original shingles are now on the inside of the house and like this contractors were going to say get rid of that that's ugly and i was like i think it's cool like i think it's great like leave a leave a little character yeah you've moved into a living story you know and like you're the next chapter and then you'll be in the book forever and (laughs) carve your own name in the driveway future future go yeah what happens when you look in the mirror and see yourself appear behind you you know i should do some certain construction phase i should start leaving really creepy like (laughs) things carved into the wood so when someone goes to remodel this in another 50 years and it'll say i'm still here carved in the bottom of the thing yeah set it up you should definitely do that (laughs) tony there's a game we like to play with all of our guests uh i'm gonna go down a list of things phenomenon unexplained things um and uh if you if you're open to it you're gonna say believe it if you're not open to it you're gonna say bullshit this is a game that we like to call Bullshit or Believe It. I like it. Tony Trucks. <laughs> now remember, Bullshit or Believe It. No in between. You have to choose one. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. On your mark. Get set. 
Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Little gray aliens. Bullshit. Out-of-body experiences. Believe it. Demonic possession. Bullshit. The Bermuda Triangle. Believe it. Alien abductions. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. Bullshit. Time travel. Bullshit. Mothman. Bullshit. Reincarnation. Believe it. ESP. Bullshit. Haunted houses. Believe it. The Illuminati. Um, <laughs> um, bullshit. There's a face on Mars. Believe it? Skunk ape. What is that? Okay, Tony, you've just unlocked uh... the secret game within the game. Stand by to play that in just a moment. Heaven. Did I pass? You, you have, not yet. It's really the heat's on Bryce more than you. Heaven. Heaven. Uh, 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 um... God. Believe it. Hell. <laughs> Hell. Oh, bullshit. Sea serpents. Believe it. Poltergeist. <laughs> bullshit. Chupacabra. Uh, bullshit. Atlantis. Bullshit. Life on other planets. Believe it. Parallel dimensions. Believe it. The apocalypse. Bullshit. Life after death. Mm. Believe it. Well done, Tony Trucks. You've survived you bullshit or right. believe it. You um, did it. Uh, I'm, so I'm full flop sweat, by the way, right now. <laughs> it's intense. Listen, like, you did it's it's the hardest thing you will ever do. You'll ever have to go. Don't worry. That's, that's the gauntlet. That is it. Um, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to be like, well, I mean, not in the way these dumb people want to talk about it. Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, what was the one that you were like, oh, I want to? What's What's the one well, that like most bumped you that like way? Like the heaven and stuff like that. I just really feel like those kind of concepts. I am, you know, agnostic all the days of the week, and I just really, really feel like it is unreasonable to to name things like heaven and what the afterlife looks like in this way i i believe in those things in the same way that i that i leave room for ghosts and um uh, otherworldly activity and life on other planets because i i believe that those things do exist i believe it but what i also believe is that we do not possess the capacity in this current facility to receive it or or name it or talk about it in any reasonable way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's definitely. What I, think. I think it's crazy to think that we can be like, it's clouds and it's angels. Right. It's- I, I, that's ridiculous to me. I'm like, if there is a higher power, I, I don't necessarily know if we're currently, uh, <laughs> if, if it's that big, you know, 
Yeah, I tend to picture the afterlife feeling more like science fiction than spiritual in some way. You know what I mean? It's like we're going, we're, we, we're, it's kind of like, I feel like it's the matrix where we're just going to wake up yes. to another reality and go, oh, right. Fuck, dude, totally. I totally forgot about this while I was alive on earth. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm like all about that. I think that in the afterlife, and I, I think that there is an afterlife, but I think it's going to get weird. Things gonna get real weird, and I'm into it. I like, like it. You know, even moments when I have deja vu. Sometimes I think that deja vu is like me in another dimension, maybe having that same moment. We kind of like just like, you know, we we like butt into we we bump into each other for a second, and it's like a marker. It's like a little bookmark. Like oh, um, like I I love it. I love it. Totally. I, I want it to get weird. Okay, well, we told you you unlocked the secret game within the game. Uh, you, you asked what Skunk Ape is. So Bryce is going to try to explain uh, what Skunk Ape is in hopes that you will believe in it. Uh, this is a game we like to call 60 Seconds to Sell Skunk Ape with Bryce Johnson. <laughs> All right, Bryce, you ready? Yeah. I'm starting the timer. You have 60 seconds. Sure. On your mark, get set. Skunk Ape. Well, I've really got my work cut out for me since you didn't believe in Bigfoot. But Skunk Ape is like the F- Florida's version of Bigfoot. You know, if you have a, a search bar next to you, I would look up Florida Skunk Ape. Don't just look up Skunk Ape because I did. And it came up with a new strain of marijuana uh, across a Las Vegas purple cush and original glue. <laughs> Sounds great. Wish I still smoked weed. But if you have a Google bar next to you, type in Florida Skunk Ape. And two pictures should came up come up of like a large creature uh, with teeth and eyes sort of like starting to stand up. Anyways, the story goes, an old lady wrote an anonymous letter to the sheriff's department saying something was stealing her apples and visiting her backyard at night. She went out there with a camera, flashed two photographs, and that's what seconds. would become uh, photographic proof of Florida skunk ape, which Ten. hundreds and hundreds of people report every year. Five. Wow. Look at that. Time left on the clock. Done. Time left. You're a fast talker, sir. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you I get the, did you see the pictures? I am, I am seeing the images. Are you Tony, convinced? Are you yeah, are you buying the skunk ape? I'm still I'm looking at the weed pictures. Bullshit still. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. No <laughs> Fail. I should have used my first 15 seconds to talk about this new weed that looks so yummy, but not a great setup, yeah. <laughs> My Can't bad. win them all, Bryce. Can't win them all. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness by yours truly. And we're back, and it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. It's my turn, and this, of course, again, being wet, hot, alien summer. Uh, I picked a story for Tony Trucks that, of course, is going to revolve around the extraterrestrial. Uh, This story uh, involves a woman named Kelly Cahill, her husband, Andrew, and four other witnesses that we know of. On August 8th, 1993, Kelly Cahill, then a 27-year-old housewife and mother of three from Belgrave, Victoria, near near Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia, was riding with her husband in their truck as they went to visit her girlfriend in the Dananong Mountains range it was twilight kelly was watching the sloping fields pass by her car when something caught her attention out in the field she clocked a row of large orange lights 
She noted them as the car passed lazily by, thinking there was nothing unusual about it. Events proved otherwise on the drive home. In the darkness on the road, Kelly and her husband Andrew glanced up and saw the same row of orange lights now floating above the tree line ahead. The lights began to move towards the vehicle, and Kelly had the thought, it's a blimp. Bryce? Not a blimp. Exactly. As they drive closer (laughs) to the aerial object, it lowered to the truck, and Kelly could see that the orange lights were actually part of it. They were actually large portholes that wrapped around a large, unusual craft that was difficult to make out in the night sky. But she could make out the silhouettes of occupants standing within the glowing orange windows. Kelly said, it looks like there's people in there. And then the UFO suddenly zoomed away. Within seconds, it had vanished. Kelly's husband drove another kilometer down the road. And that's when Kelly watched as the pavement began to illuminate. She remembers thinking at first there was some kind of screen or wall of light actually lighting up from the road itself. But soon the truck was awash with bright phosphorescent light. And it was clearly apparent that it was coming from above. Dread started to rise in Kelly as she put two and two together, which adds up to three. Because a close encounter of the third kind was about to take place. <laughs> nice. Riley, drums, please. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tony, you know what happens next in stories like this, right? Abduction. Well. Probing. Pos- mm. Probing. <laughs> Lots of probing. Would it surprise you to hear that what happened next was Nothing. Kelly's next memory was her coming to with her husband driving a few kilometers down the highway. A stretch of road neither of them had any memory of traveling down. They got home an hour past their expected arrival. Neither one of them had spoken about the incident. Kelly was confused, disoriented. She even felt sick for a couple weeks. And a strange, small, perfectly formed burn mark in the shape of a triangle appeared below her navel. Kelly had no idea how it had gotten there. In the following weeks, she made two trips to the hospital, once to treat a strange infection, and then a second time, a severe stomach stomachache. Over that period of time, Kelly's memories of that night started flooding back. Uh-oh. Riley can cue some, like, dreamy flashback music right here. Got it. Kelly remembers her husband pulling off to the side of the road. They get out of the car and approach a fence overlooking the field where the large craft with orange lights is now hovering there, waiting. It's two stories high and at least as wide as an Olympic-sized swimming pool. A semicircle of light spreads across the ground below the ship. Kelly looks to her right and notices two more cars have pulled over further down the way. Two women and a man will later come to know simply as Jane, Glenda, and Bill are stepping out of the first car. And out of the second is a man called Sam. They all approach the fence. They too are gawking at the craft, entranced. Kelly feels relief that they are not alone. She stands shoulder to shoulder with her husband, awestruck, as they watch the cover to some long-forgotten science fiction novel come to life before their eyes. That's when the dark figure appears below the craft. Then another, and another. Soon, there is a group of seven or eight entities 
all about seven feet tall, skinny, and jet black. Their bodies seemed to be composed entirely of shadow, as if they were void of a body altogether. A low-level frequency begins to pump through Kelly's body. The sensation fills her with terror, and she screams. That's when the entity's eyes all light up in a sinister, glowing red. She watches as the group of, a group of entities splits apart. A number of them head to the right, towards the people from the second and third cars. The remaining members of this strange group head straight for Kelly and her husband. A violent force strikes Kelly in the stomach. She flies off her feet into the ditch with a dull thud. Kelly thinks, if I don't get up now, I'll die. <laughs> oh, God. You know. <laughs> I'm going to let that one slide. <laughs> I'm going to accent jail. We're going to walk you up, Michael. <laughs> I can't do an Australian accent to save my life. I'm not even going to try. I mean, it's horrible. Kelly sits up. She sits up. She sees nothing but blackness. As these memories came back, nightmares came with them. Nightmares of a tall, skinny, shadow alien standing over Kelly's bed, kissing the area of the body where the triangle Ew. mark had been placed. What? Despite. Despite her husband's objections, Kelly reluctantly reported her story to a group of UFO researchers in Australia. And by all accounts, she was a very credible, down-to-earth, and rational witness. Jane and Glenda, the other two women from the second car in Kelly's memory, also came forward, independently oh, wow. of Kelly, and corroborated her story. Now remember, Kelly has never met these women, nor spoken to them about the encounter. They had just been strangers on the side of the highway in a nightmare of a memory of hers. Jane and Glenda also had strange marks. Jane found three linear dots in her inner thigh, and Glenda discovered a mysterious ring around her ankle, uh, as if it was a literature... Lit lit fuck, I can't even fucking say it. Like a mark. No, uh, like... It was a, like something had strapped her down by the legs and had left a bruise. Mm. The women's drawings of the craft were exactly like the ones Kelly drew for, for the investigators, with one exception. They both drew the ship parked over the field on three long legs or a tripod. And sure enough, when the investigators went out to the location where the ship had landed, they found three indentations in the ground that could, could support the presence of some type of landing gear. And then eventually also Sam, the man from the third car, he came forward and he exhibited all the strange markings, the triangle, the dots, and the weird marks around the ankle. So they were kissing his stomach too then. Oh yeah, they were, he, they were kissing all their stomachs. They That's all had good. the triangle. All right. <laughs> so Kelly went on to become a keynote speaker at UFO conferences and wrote a book about her experience called Encounters. She, uh, which is now out of print, and I try to order it, and it's like fifteen. It's like fifteen hundred dollars. So wow. I had to, I had to scrap this together bet between like YouTube videos and UFO casebook and some oh, newspaper articles. Damn. Yeah, but she had this to say when she appeared on Today Tonight in Australia, uh, and she said that at first she was mentally she she feared she was mentally ill for believing what she had seen, and she said she got 
a brain scan after the incident. I know I look ridiculous. I'm not an, I'm not going to do it. I'm not an unintelligent woman, she said. I know that my story sounds ridiculous, but that's what happened. And there is physical evidence out there. There were marks out in the field. There were marks on our bodies. Something went on. And uh, from his book, Close Encounters, Volume 2, Duncan Murphy has a very strange theory about this case that I wanted to read to you guys. He supposes, or he presents the theory that these entities were not aliens uh, in the traditional sense, but have a connection to what we know as shadow people. And he talks about how... um, in uh, February of the year 2017, a number of CIA documents were declassified regarding the spy agency's research on ex- and experiments into remote viewing. Okay. Well, what does this ex- what does this have to do with remote viewing? Uh, but in one of these declassified documents, dated to the year 1984, nearly a full decade before Kelly Cahill's close encounter, I'm reading from the book here details the remotely viewed images of strange beings that were described by remote viewers as being very tall and thin and shadowy people. So, Tony, remote viewing, do you know what that is? No, I don't. So, it sees uh, CIA was doing experiments into using psychics to imagine or remote view destinations like if you wanted to see what the Russians were building behind the Iron Curtain during the Cold War, they'd have psychics trying to psychically project themselves to look, literally look over like some, uh, you know, missile test site or that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's this idea of being able to like mentally project yourself into another uh, area based on coordinates and see. It's basically yeah, like psychic spying. Like, exactly. All they would need is like latitude and longitude, and they, you know. Um, it's incredible what they were able to to view. They actually ran training programs. Guys like Ingo Swan and Uri Geller were some of the early proponents of uh, of remote viewing. But it's pretty pretty incredible stuff. So, so they back- would just give them the latitude, longitude, and then they would tell them what they're seeing. Yeah, that's yes. exactly right. Exactly. And, and you know, they would they would run control experiments on them too. So they would, you know, if they wanted to test their capabilities of a remote viewer, they might give them. Uh, a couple of coordinates what they already know uh, what's there and so they could see how close that they could get to to what's there and um, I mean there's there's some great material on just how accurate some of these remote viewers were so Duncan Murphy's talking about how they declassified some of these remote viewing um, experiments by the CIA and this case in 1984 he's talking about he says but what truly is bizarre about these declassified accounts of remotely viewed beings is not the nature of the beings themselves but rather the location of where these dark beings had supposedly once been located the remote viewer test subjects were given a set of coordinates to remotely view however these coordinates were not of a location found anywhere on earth rather these coordinates were of the planetary location of our neighboring planet Mars. More intriguingly, intriguingly though, these coordinates were not where Mars, uh, uh, boy, why is this not, uh, was today, is today, why isn't this flipping? Ugh, this, God damn it, this Kindle reader is ruining my podcast. <laughs> um, uh, it, it was uh, not where Mars would have been words. located. Um, today but where it was located one million years previous 
not. He says, that's right. As unbelievable as it may sound, there exists official declassified CIA documents that report remote views of what appears to be shadow people that were located on Mars one million years ago. It is reported within this declassified document that the remote viewers witnessed a small group of these ancient shadow aliens leaving Mars in order to find another home on another planet. Furthermore, the description of that that the remote viewers gave of the craft that these dark beings had purportedly used to leave Mars was strikingly similar to the description that Kelly Cahill gave of the craft that she and her husband had witnessed. Could the beings encountered by Kelly Cahill and her husband, in fact, be ancient shadow people from Mars? The (laughs) shadow beings that were witnessed leaving (laughs) Mars one million years ago by CIA remote viewing test subjects find their new home here on Earth? Duncan says we may never know the answers to these questions, but nonetheless, they are certainly fascinating questions to ponder, <laughs> basically, because he just asked them. But, uh, you know, I might have lost you guys there at the end of that. But but Kelly stayed true. She stayed, stayed true to her story. And there are witnesses that corroborated it. Uh, that is the story of the Kelly Cahill alien encounter. Mm. Mm. So very strange, man. That's wild. I have stuff. questions. I've got questions. What are your questions? What do you think? What the hell well, was that? Well, first of all, I want to know in the immediate and also long term, what did Kelly's what was Kelly's husband claiming to remember or not remember? He so from what I in the research that I dug up, it's very funny, and I kind of started getting the sense as I was reading these stories. A lot of them don't even mention his name. I, I uh, now I don't know if they divorced. But it's clear that he did not want to talk about it and did not want to go public with it because he thought it was embarrassing. And well, he we don't know where his triangle was and where he got kissed. He right, wouldn't. Right. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't. He refused to speak to the investigators. He did not think she should be out there talking about it. He. He. She. Even Kelly Cahill is actually a pseudonym that's not her real name. So uh, she did that to protect the family. But she was out there. She was on. There's. You can look up YouTube video interviews with her. But it's clear that Andrew was like, uh, "You're on your own here. I don't want to talk about this." And they apparently like didn't. They're like old school couple. that just like did not want to talk about it. They didn't even talk about it on the drive home. Although he had admitted to her privately that he'd seen the craft as well and thought it might have been a blimp when it first when they first saw it. But he was he did not want the stigma of going public with it. And who knows? He might have some job that he could have lost if he you know this is 1993. This is still when people thought that um, people who saw these things were super crazy. Um, so it's, it's, I would like to have that as well. And it might be in her book, which mm. is unfortunately out of print and impossible to get a hold of. Um, what year did you say that they released the, um, the study? 2017 the- is when those records came out, but that okay, so the remote viewing case in was in 1984. Okay. So then my question is for the, what was it called? The viewing, the remote, remote viewing. viewing, remote viewing. My question is, if they give them latitude and longitude or some sort of coordinates, Mm -hmm. did they give them the coordinates for that million years old old Mars place and then they saw the shadow people? Or did they see the shadow people and then they said, and by the way, we're seeing them at these coordinates? That's a good question. It seems a little... It's very specific that the CIA would be like, look here... It seems to me that it's a bit of a leading question for the CIA to do that, which if we're to believe these documents and that they're real, 
and we're going to take this author's word for it. And we could, go, you know, I guess I should have gone and looked for these documents. But um, listen, I have a pandemic to deal with. Um, <laughs> I I would guess, and maybe I'll take it. I'll take it a little bit further in this, listeners. I'll, I'll take a look. But my guess would be that they were already suspicious of something being there. So it's all a little mm. spooky, you know, spooky, spooky. Well, whatever happened to the other people? Did they share their stories and then they're like, we're tired. We already said what we said. We're done. Yeah. We're they, they released her. She would talk about their stuff. She had, she has photos of their marks, all the stuff I'll put up on the Instagram. Um, but uh, she basically became the spokesperson for, for their story. You know, again, you have to remember that this is like 1993. These are like normal people. It's a little scary and weird uh to go out there and be like we saw aliens you know you get really get made fun of i think she just found this experience so profound that it really changed her life and she had to she had to talk about it but then somebody created the x-files you know what i mean like she was she was inspiring people in fact in the when they did the reboot or the new season of X-Files, Joel McHale's character talks about this case uh, in the, in the season premiere of like season 10 of the X-Files. They talk oh, about it. Wild. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely like become a little gem of a, of, of a case for UFOlogists because of the corroboration that the witnesses gave, you know, and look it all, it's still a very vague story. Who knows, you know, who knows if there's anything to the dreams and nightmares she's had. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just think it's a cool story. Yeah, well, it's the uh, first time I heard, you know, sort of shadow people connected to UFOs. I mean, shadow people are usually relegated to the bedroom at night, you know. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, yeah, no, that's super strange. (laughs) I highly recommend, there's a great book by a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, New York Times journalist, Annie Jacobson. She wrote the book called Phenomenon, where she goes into great detail into the CIA's involvement with uh, ESP and and remote viewing and uh and people like pat price and ingo swan and uri geller uh it's an incredible read i highly recommend it also you know the 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 way that you describe those creatures i saw a new movie well it's an older movie uh, a couple nights ago called under the skin starring Star- scarlett johansson have you guys heard of it mm-hmm. yeah i really yeah, want to awesome. see it love that movie. yeah well you know it has it yeah it's speaking of like these sort of uh jet black entities with alien eyes i mean i highly recommend it it's a great movie i don't know what that has to do with your story of high strangeness well that's what those entities look like well there you go yeah yeah no exactly exactly uh yeah that's a wild story man that's crazy look when you've got other when you've got when you've got multiple people kind of who don't know each other who come forward with the same story they experienced something now what that something is that's up for a debate, you know, but obviously it left uh, left physical marks on their body and it left, uh, you know, trauma in their psyches. So um, who I have knows? sympathy for her because I just I always I, I feel bad. I mean, I don't I don't I, it's hard, like I feel just bad when, you know, you're like, I, you know, I know I sound crazy. I know yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'll put a link to the the YouTube segment from this old Australian show called Extraordinary from the mid 90s where they interview her. And she just seems like your mom's friend. You know what I mean? She's like totally down to earth. Like she sounds completely credible. She sounds like an ordinary person put into an extraordinary situation. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's another one for the Bigfoot Collectors Club casebook. Um, 
Guys, it's the end of the uh, of today's episode of this week's show. Uh, I want to thank our guest, Tony Trucks, for being here. Um, Tony, you know, if we wanted to find Bigfoot, we'd look in the woods. If our friends wanted to find you uh, on social media, where could they find you? They can find me pretty much everywhere uh, with the handle at Tony Trucks, T-O-N-I-T-R-U-C-K-S. Fantastic. And do you have any projects or anything that you want to plug? Um, well, SEAL Team is going to be coming back on CBS for season four at some point. So I just <laughs> say hang tight, wear your mask, wash your hands, and we'll, it'll be faster if you do that. Amen Fantastic. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and on Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. Uh, if you want merch, head over to campfire.media, click shop, and blast away. Um, just want to let you guys know we have uh, some new shirts on the way they're not ready yet but they should be very soon uh hitting upon a particular theme of this summer um give me a follow uh on instagram at mcmills bryce is mr bryce johnson riley is peace drone uh uh oh uh i did a podcast with my artist from my adventure van comic called untold adventures that's out now uh, by ryan cody um that's a really fun interview uh we a fun chat we did about uh my first big disappointment in hollywood um you uh, can see me on the new oh, season of perry that. mason uh show up in a couple episodes the first episode i was in aired on sunday night bryce uh riley anything for you guys to plug i just want to plug the patreon one time real quick the you know with the new track we just put up we we actually put the demo up um on the patreon at the end of an episode and it's just cool over there like there's things happening in real time um and it's it's a fun it's a fun spark part of the show that is definitely a big part of the show so if you're interested and you're trying to fill some time during quarantine we have a lot of uh, cool content over there yeah and a cool. lot of great engagement going on right now which i'm really excited about like con- definitely like listeners are starting to get to know each other they're giving each other recommendations we're getting in on the fun uh this past week we just released one of our what we call our new mini foot episodes where it's kind of like a clubhouse hangout with bryce riley and me we answer some uh members of the other side their questions their comments we it's a it's a lot of fun we recommend what stuff that we're reading right now stuff that we're doing um and we do we drop one of those once a month it's kind of like a monthly bigfoot collectors club newsletter but in your but audio version of that um so that's up there right now if you want to check it out uh yeah cool. that's bigfoot collectors club uh, patreon.com slash bigfoot collectors club to i want to uh, give a uh, quick shout out too i developed a board game uh, oh yeah called dirty picture cover-up or dpcu as we like to call it and we are gathering emails so that we can start our pre-sales soon so just go to the dpcugame.com sign up and we will alert you uh, on all things new dpcu and when we're ready for pre-sales it's a it's a totally fun game riley and michael have played it they've given me notes on it uh it, you know draw a dirty picture cover it up be judged win uh, we played this in the hotel at people. contact in the desert last summer and honestly it might have been the hardest i've laughed with the two of you guys <laughs> truly yeah uh, it's it this is the best game bryce this is what you're going to be remembered for <laughs> i love it yeah so i could check it out uh follow us on our social medias and yeah that's it fantastic all right thanks again to tony uh good night from the bigfoot collectors boys uh until next week good night and go get regressed all right get it.
Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.